we are gonna we're gonna find we're gonna round out to the final two movies that we really really want to talk about these i think i mean the walk has its its greatness flight's great kind of stumbles a bit with the walk <laughs> a movie about tightrope walking which is kind of funny. But again just i think I, I just want to drill in i think what happened is the mechas encountered the first person seemingly in his life that he can't find a sympathetic connection to and that's why he stumbled with the beginning of this because he was full of such vitriol for this man as he got to know him because he literally got to know him to make this movie that all he could do was make us suffer like he did yeah before yeah. he gave us the one of the greatest technical feats in filmmaking so i think you've hit yeah you might be right on that um i think that's it we'll get another chance to watch it soon yep now we are on to what i think is one of Zemeckis's strongest films overall. Mm-hmm. And that is a movie that you, I, this is maybe the one and maybe the next one that people definitely did, did not see. Like, this is a guy who makes a lot of very popular movies that you've seen, maybe not seen correctly, but you've, they've been put in front of you. I am willing to bet most of our listeners have not seen Ally. Yeah, most people didn't watch. Most people didn't watch. That could have been because they were already tired of seeing Brad Pitt, World War II shit with like Inglorious Bastards. I don't know. It was promoted weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just a very odd movie that is at once very old school, but does a lot of new school things. So this is a movie that is about Brad Pitt. He plays basically a spy for the, uh, the U.S. and British military who is sent to... Morocco to meet another agent played by Marion Cotillard, who is a spy, and they are going to assassinate the Nazi German ambassador together. They meet each other. I mean, I can't, I want to talk about every moment in this movie, but we're just going to let you watch it. Yeah, because yeah. again, I don't think most people have seen this. So yeah, let's just, just I don't want to be too spoilery here, but yeah. they, um, they meet each other, and immediately this game of the illusory nature of a relationship starts and it starts getting kind of knocked back and forth it's kind of the the gender reversal with uh, what lies beneath mm-hmm. and they start well eventually it's revealed that they're in Casablanca yep. which is so let's just get that out of the way real quick the mind-bogglingly numbskull reviews that were just like um clearly this is just Casablanca but without any heart or merit if that it's it's called attention to multiple times and it's meant to be jesus christ it's supposed to make you think of casablanca in every single possible way so they can then use it as a jumping off point to subvert jesus not literal casablanca and so much it's very much not literally because every scene in is is his mocap reaching its beautiful perfection yes he wanted it to be seeing, very hyper real so. what you are seeing there those buildings are not there no that is almost nothing yeah it's that's all Zemeckis. everything he's been learned up into this point yes he is now oh this is the 31 million dollar movie we're talking about this movie was made for such a fraction of what it looks like it would cost wait no flight's 31 well, so, okay, well, also, this is like 30, 30, 30. Oh, minutes. shit. See, I didn't even know that. I oh, okay. I flight earlier. Look at that. Oh, no, That's... no. No. It, oh, shit. Okay. For so little. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay. So, yeah. So, they, they end up pulling a mission off together. They have what many I've read in reviews say is an over-the-top scene where they have sex in a car. I think it's kind of perfect. Kind of. No, it's flawless. That scene's amazing. Yes, because when that child comes they're in an air raid the movie is getting at that these characters who have been whose whole mission in life is to lie to one another they are now faced with falling in love now this is movie territory this is what we're saying he is entering you not into reality Casablanca he's trying to put you in the movie of Casablanca so much so that they're dressed to look like Rick and Ilsa in certain scenes that what you're seeing, because Warner Brothers, like Casablanca, the original, is shot on a studio set, 
this is on a studio set, but now it can move around. So now you can see what you never saw outside of Rick's place. Mm-hmm. You can now see the whole area of a movie that lives in all of our hearts. I will never talk, say a bad word about Casbon's perfect movie. Oh, yeah. But this movie is indebted to those Warner Brothers World War II movies, specifically the Michael Curtiz one, like like Casablanca, Passage to Marseille. And then also even like the the Michael Powell uh, early, late 30, early 40s movies like um, uh, Contraband or Small Back Room and Spy in Black. So this is very much a movie world he's entering into. And that's why he's subverting the expectations of these characters. So I'm a sucker for a spy movie where people are in love and they're spies. Gonna win with me every time. Except Zemeckis might deliver the ultimate film of that. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, might take the cake for all of them. I think this movie will grow over time and be appreciated because not only does it affect me on such a deep emotional level, it is so thrilling. Every scene looks like a million dollars spent well not just a million thrown on the screen spent well it delivers an old kind of movie that we are never going to probably ever see again what it does technically is nothing short of uh, astounding i mean just the scene where she's making fun of his french accent while they're getting ready and they're like discovering each other and he's flipping that camera on the fucking room and catching people perfectly aligned in reflections and it's like that must have taken forever mm-hmm. uh, to block a scene like that out would probably take a couple of days. Oh yeah. With some Mecca's maybe a day, but that's still a full day of shooting. Oh, but it's like Busby Berkeley level. Like it feels like that kind of choreography yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, um, the movie, well, I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. I, maybe yeah, I just want to say like the, the one the one thing that he does which we won't spoil because it's literally the ultimate spoiler the one thing that he does the way this movie ends is something that never could have happened in those movies that it is taking place in the world of Mm -hmm. and it's such a wallop (laughs) like it's such a not even wallop it feels like you know, in a movie when someone gets hit with like a two by four, but they do it proper and you you can uh-huh. feel what it feels like when your brain gets shaken. Yeah. The way this movie ends shakes your brain because he so effectively has kept us in that world of what it's like to be in those movies the whole time. That the one thing he does um, outside of that is so jarring. It is. Oh. And... Oh. Well, it makes you feel like the like getting strangled in a phone booth. Mm-hmm. The level of brutality of a scene like that. And also, like, the movie is just fucking heartbreaking. I mean, our boy knows how to do an audience knowing that a couple is doomed, but they don't know it, or they're trying not to know it. I think this is the culmination of that, even with um, Castaway's relationship. I think like this movie breaks my heart because it breaks my heart because it's so affecting. It also breaks my heart the way people kind of treated it when they were saying that Marion Cotillard and Brad Pitt have like blankness to them and that which is oh, they're fucking spies. Okay, but they also don't. They also do not have blankness. They, they don't. They're they're not emoting as much, but that's because they're spies. Yes. But that's my, that's, this is, a, a, again, not the same way, because I don't think he's as good, but in the same way they were saying Denzel is wasted, Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard are also almost always wasted because they are world-class actors, and they can take a challenge like this and not be blank-faced. Yeah. Same way that, like, when, we've talked about it before, when people, when people truly are like, yeah, it's amazing that Buster Keaton never showed any emotion in any of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly. the same, it's the same fucking idiocy because he showed endless emotion with you know his eyes and his face just like they do in this movie and the way their arms move the way their posture changes it is unreal and they could not be less blank 
they it's they're just such they're so good at acting yeah. that they've effectively become spies and are still able to show the emotions they're having but while still being like a good at their jobs <laughs> this is just a this is a movie made with a true artist touch every moment of the movie yep. is uh is masterful and i think this is a great example we're going to stop talking about it now and that's not because uh we are pressed for time or that it's really because honestly i don't want to explain this movie i because i know most people haven't seen this movie so please you can't ruin it just this is the one that if i have to make a recommendation of this whole thing i would say go see outline because maybe it'll get you on board with the next one but you see it, be, be open allied is an easy spell don't read reviews but that's an easy one to get on board with just take your time with it let that movie do its magic it'll work you got a future classic on your hands right there so now I'm with you so now we come to the final film possibly one of the most important pieces of this whole puzzle one of the most now, if you thought he was getting meta with the Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard as actors playing spies who are just basically actors, um, if you thought that was too meta for you, wait till you see Welcome to Marwin. Which is also Zemeckis' welcome home to Universal. It is his welcome home. It is an investigation of him as a filmmaker. It is an investigation of this character who is a little gumpy but he's also not i mean he's a victim for sure of some serious horrific shit but he is not without his problems that have nothing to do with that again what we said zemeckis does one of the stickiest things you can do in this movie and that is refuse to let someone off the hook as far as their character flaws because of what they went through and that is tough for a lot of people to face. And I understand that it is, it feels weird. It's weird when you're a human being, when you have to interrogate or cut someone out of your life or something or whatever, that has a lot of toxic traits as a human being, but you know, those may or may not be because of the horrific things they went through or because of the things they were never allowed to express about themselves. But Zemeckis refuses to take the easy way out or the um, things that they can't remember because they have had their memory wiped. So yep. we actually, Zemeckis is very good at ambiguous beginnings of its characters. Brad Pitt and Allied. Mm -hmm. You know, he just literally just drops into that movie. Yep. Much like Steve Carell. Much like Steve this Carell. movie, Where he's flying a plane that's going down, crashing, all a fucking flight. Drops out of it in a parachute like fucking Brad Pitt and Allied. Has to wrap his feet up like Castaway. And he has to, and this is just, <laughs> he, this is just the beginning of the movie. This is when he's in, and he's in mocap. It's all mocap. And there's an Allied truck that drives by. The Allied truck is hilarious. Hilarious. I and actually laugh. Another moment of. We'll get to another reference later in the movie, but this is another moment of, again, why Zemeckis is a powerhouse, because he's about to do one of the most emotionally tricky dances he's ever done, not just him, anyone's ever done in Hollywood, the emotionally tricky dances of a movie, and he starts it by forcing you to know that you're watching a movie that is based in the reality of a lot of other movies. Mm -hmm. um, Would you say this is trickier than Gump? way trickier i would say maybe not way in my opinion but it's trickier i would say it's way trickier this is one of the trickiest movies ever made maybe this is way trickier because this is based on a largely beloved real character from a documentary that if you say anything negative about like, you like man on a wire like on man the yeah yeah they're both characters from documentaries yes but this one is stickier. This yeah. one, I think that I think this is territory that people are not ready for in this country, ever. Never have been. Probably never will be. But um, and it's also the it's also the most unreal culmination of what we've been talking about nonstop since Gump, 
which is the the full fruition of Zemeckis Zemeckis's obsession with people in these insular worlds. This is the culmination. It's- the, and it's, it is the level of commitment. I I really do get not boring people who just write it off with ists and isms, but people who really can't stomach this movie. I do understand because. <laughs> He's so he's so he commits so fully to only presenting the reality of this person to the audience with no reprieve outside of references to his own movies. <laughs> That's the only reprieve. He commits so fully to that that it it is stomach turning. Well, it causes people at Vox. We're not going to read it, but by the name of Emil, Emily Saint James. Oh, how convenient. St. James, where have I heard that before? (laughs) St. James, seems like an inside job. (laughs) She wrote an article that was simply, simply titled. Call it a blog post. Let's not call it an article. Okay, yeah, but it's for Vox. Everyone loves Vox. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Marwin is just about the worst movie anybody involved in it has ever made. That's the name of the article and the little sub article headline underneath it. Worse, the Robert Zemeckis film, which stars Steve Carell, Leslie Mann, and many others, poorly fictionalizes a tremendous documentary. Let me take a moment to shit on all you documentary watchers out there. <laughs> Y'all are devoted to these documentaries. Especially people who only watch that kind of quote-unquote documentary. I I understand the world's depressing, but you have to rise above your depression. You can't just push yourself further and maybe watch even one documentary that isn't made exactly like that with a three-act structure, with a rise, a tiny fall, and then a bigger rise to make you feel great about what you've learned. Yes. Or quit using documentaries as shorthand to uh, not read a book. <laughs> that's the real. That's the fucking real. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, you could try that out. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Steve Carell at the beginning of this movie. He's a mocap in his fictional land of Marwin. And he is, we're seeing the setup for kind of how his story starts. And in a brilliant shot, he, you realize this is obviously a fake thing and you see him like a filmmaker clicking away saying, I'm finally getting it right. I've been all these years. I'm finally getting it right. Pretty meta. Seems kind of like Zemeckis sitting there being like, wow, I don't know if people are going to like this, but I think I'm finally doing what I've always wanted to do. And that is the moment in one shot. That is the moment. Also what ruins that shot? Do you remember? Like what makes them fall? So he has the since he's well, doing the Allied truck. So well, he that's said, what ruins it. The oh, Allied, that's right. Yeah, the Allied truck driving up and shaking the earth. Yeah, is what makes his perfect shot, his perfect moment, fall apart. That's how we start the movie, and it's also not to be slept on that Carell's character always has a cigarette dangling, uh-huh. but it's also rarely actually smoking it which is also a great classic Hollywood thing of directors rarely actually smoking their cigars or cigarettes that are constantly lit in their mouths while they try to get that perfect shot. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, this is Zemeckis commenting on his mocap world and what he's been trying to create at this point. Because he uses the mocap world now in a way to actually serve his story rather than the thing that enables him to play with the biggest you know toy box that a movie can offer Mm -hmm. so it's very purposeful now so he's really like he's now with allied showed how that technology can be incorporated to create a real living environment for real living characters and now how that is now translated into the very illusory world that all of these characters whether it's brad pitt mary and coach are thinking they have a real marriage whether it's you know all these other ones like this is now used to support this very idea that we've been driving home about for all these fucking episodes and to very clearly and it shows how disappointing (laughs) movie watchers can be 
is because I imagine in Zemeckis' mind, even though he knows he's being, again, sticky here, it couldn't be more crystal clear that what he's doing is only showcasing through mocap and through live action the exact projection of inside of someone's mind, how they experience the world, and only that. Only that. And the movie is couldn't be more clear that that's what is happening here. And so, like, that is... Because I, I also don't want to do too much exact stuff here, because yeah. I don't know about you, but the more people I've talked to this movie about, the more people have been like, dude, I never even fucked with it because I heard how abysmal it was. So I also don't want to spoil too much, but we have to talk about... Well, let's talk about the things that people take issue with and how yes. those are strengths for the movie. Yes. Yep. The biggest one that pops up the most for me and that people also said when I brought it up to them is people saying, I can't believe that this is that Zemeckis made such a loud and proud praise of misogyny movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's one of the most stupid things I have ever incredible. And again, I suggest most of the people who say that didn't actually watch the movie. No, no, um, no. This is what I was saying earlier. People just repeat what you're, yes. some of you do it, some of you don't. Some of you just recognize that you see it all the time. Yeah. People do not usually put in the work to watch movies or to actually watch them, to sit and watch and experience. Actually give them, again, to not just play it in the yeah. background while you're doing work emails or on your phone or fucking crocheting, whatever the People fuck. People are checking things. Everyone sick. checks shit off these days. It's about checking it off. Yes. Yep. And it's awful. I hate it. Zemeckis' movies are completely missed if you don't give them the chance to actually be movies. You have to, you have to engage with them. <sighs> Yeah. Because so, yeah, I mean, okay. so there's that. So that's the big thing. Well, so. let's let's go over just a couple of things with the misogyny. Uh, oh, there's, there's so much. There's, there's a so lot. So we'll just hit a couple of things. Um, God, there's a lot to talk about. I, this is the one I actually had to stop and like start taking some notes because um, it's like I, we'll never get all this in. So, Hoagie, that's his name in the fictional world. He creates this world. That is just like Allied's World War II. Mm -hmm. um, and he uh, he creates this world. I think Zemeckis might be commenting on how well he knows he knocked it out of the park with Allied. Mm -hmm. um, and he has these women that surround him in Marwin. Now, over the course of the movie, we start to realize these are characters that he's met. Well, some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and he... These are the projections of his idea of women and how he idolizes women and gets away with everything in the movie by saying he loves their essence. He's trying to capture that. But what he doesn't realize is what Will's alluding to, that he is, in, uh, you know, he, he's a misogynist. He doesn't really understand women. He just wants to, in a way, have them, in a, in a sense, possess them, but have them be a way to help him. Yes, He's not really concerned with offering they anything. Only exist to help him. To help him, to serve him, to coddle him, to keep him further from reality. Mm -hmm. And you, you could say that. Yeah, I mean, you actually you can't. There's no way around this to say that this character is being portrayed lovingly, out and proud like that. No, and that's why it's so sticky because Zemeckis is taking this dude to task. And that is a wild thing to do with how beloved the documentary was and how by proxy beloved this man was, who again, also all of you, please watch the documentary again. The documentary, even though it's lazy in some ways, also doesn't let this guy off the hook. Yeah, so yes, he has to kill. The, okay, so he's, uh, right, so he's attacked by some Nazis or, you know, white supremacist dudes, whatever you want to call them. The guy is played, the guy who's the Nazi is played by the Nazi officer from Allied. Brilliant. brilliant. So... They um they beat the shit out of him because he says he likes to wear women's shoes. So yeah. they, you know, whether you want to call it a hate crime or just a fucking crime, they beat the shit out of this guy mercilessly, leave him for dead. Yeah. So he's saved by a woman who works at the bar. Now, we don't, I think, ever see that woman except in some photos. Yeah. But she's represented as one of his action figures in Marwin. So much so that the memory of her leaving him and going to get, she goes and gets married and he kind of, he forgets that she goes and gets married. 
he has to kill her in his fake world and put her in the R.I.P. box, which also has a bride and a priest in there. And we find out later that he was married at one point through a photo. We don't hear it talked about ever. He writes next to the photo, was I married? And this is before anything bad happened to him, and we know he was a drinker. So a little flight there. I mean, it sounds like this has been a problem for him and the way he treats women from the get-go. So he, um, so much so that when he's got the milk, he it, there's like a milkmaid that he has in the world, and they're going around hilariously and you know disturbingly. He's got the milk flopping up on her white shirt over her tits, mm-hmm. which is like. Yeah, because this isn't Zemeckis. I mean, Zemeckis is having fun with that, but this is this guy's character envisioning this. He's the filmmaker. So and also, let's, it's also not to be lost that, again, the documentary seems to support this, and in the movie, what's the only kind of media that this man intakes that includes women in his life? The yeah. only kind of media, and that is pornography. Which, which stars and is not to be missed as far as the conversation about women, uh, especially in regards to creative domineering men, um, whether muse or otherwise, or if we're talking about some Aronofsky shit, you want to talk about mother, it's not to be slept on that the porn star in this movie is fucking Robert Zemeckis' wife. Less the one time we see the porn that he's watching is Robert Zemeckis' wife. Amazing. It's uh, amazing. It's and insane. that character is part of his world. Yep. That's what I was saying. The one character he has not actually met, but so much so that that bounds of reality. It's like he believes he knows this porn actress. Mm-hmm. And that's very disturbing. And that's classic. This kind of dude stuff. He's like Travis Bickle when he's yes. talking to Leslie Mann about it. It's yeah. like, that's okay. what, to me, it's like, how did you miss this? How did someone, how did you not connect what's happening there to all the scenes that take place in Marvel? And the harrowing, truly blood-curdling moment. Um, I just have to say it. Skip this real quick if you haven't seen it. Um, but I have to bring it up. The moment when uh, Steve Carell, his character, um, when in Marwin in his supposed fantasy land, which is supposedly separate from the real world, when his character um, proposes to Leslie Mann's character with a purple heart, uh, he shoots those photographs and then he brings them over to the real life house, who's this kind, kind woman who's clearly been through so much, who was uh, briefly, from what we're led to believe, dated in some capacity, the Nazi character. Um, That was her last dude. An ex-cop. An ex-cop. A drinker, which Mm -hmm. we're also let to know. Mm -hmm. But the moment when um, uh, Steve Crow's character proposes to her in the same way, after she shows, after he shows her the pictures and she's clearly unsettled, and after we've already had a scene where he accidentally refers to her as the character in Marwin, mm-hmm. and she's doing, you know, like it's obvious she knows and she's starting to get unsettled. But so uh-huh. he, he proposes with the purple heart that he bought from a toy store, a real purple heart that he bought from a toy store. Uh, every detail. He proposes, and Leslie Mann. Holy shit. Like he's, she's dressed in mili- he's dressed in military fatigues. Dressed, too. Yes, he's dressed in fatigues, and he proposes with a purple heart, and he's down on one knee, and we're in a relative, like a medium shot, basically. As soon as Leslie Mann's character takes a breath as she realizes what's actually happening, it cuts to this horrific wide shot, and it holds it. Also, Zemeckis does not do this a lot. It looks like a Kiyoshi Kurosawa scene. Yes, on a on a tripod, like a classic, like just fucking sit with this, while she just says to him, please get up. Please get up. Please get up. And he doesn't move and doesn't say anything. He just stays in the same pose, and then she finally 
again in this world entirely created by him, uh, says, I'll be right back as she goes to get him a present, which is the Nazi, <laughs> the Nazi doll. But it's just, oh my God, we could just break it down scene by scene how this movie could not be less misogynistic because it is not, it's, it, unless everything about the internal landscape of a man who views women as only objects or as only things to further his own life, if every movie about that is inherently misogynistic, then yes. Then yes, it is. If talking about it is misogynistic, then yes. But otherwise, absolutely not. Because this movie goes, maybe even goes harder than Taxi Driver. And I'm sorry, I know that's being insane, but 100 percent, because that guy could almost travis bickle knows on some level how fucked up he is i don't think that he knows at all because the women represent more of like these infatuations or obsessions he's developed with them so much so that leslie mann is probably just a character who like all of like janelle monet all these other characters that we see he's probably had that level of infatuation with them and it's He's done that to them. He's done yeah. that to every woman. Yes. Except. But we never hear them say that. We never yeah. hear him say that. No. Except for the, I also have to talk about, again, I guess skip. There's just no way to avoid stuff. So skip this until you watch it if you haven't. But one other thing I saw people bring up, which I thought was especially daft, <laughs> was someone was writing a review and they were actually it was kind of interesting. And they were like, okay, so the way some of these women are portrayed is clearly how he views women and how he thinks they exist in the world because they're only for him, yada, yada, all this stuff, right? But then they say, and Zemeckis showed his true cards with the end of the film because all of this was in service of him finally finding the woman for him, the one who will take care of him, the one who will do everything. And that is talking about this poor woman that works at the toy shop, Roberta, who clearly, clearly has deep care for this person, like a deep, a deep love, and clearly for worse, has a deep love for this man and what he has gone through, even though, as evidenced by a moment where she walks up and asks why her top is off, her character and Marwin, why her top is always off, or not always, she asks why it's off. And then no, she, she says again. Did yeah, she says again. again. She yeah. says again. And so even though she is also treated that way in his world all the time, she still has a deep love for this man, despite everything. And the way the movie ends is he goes to his art show, same way as the documentary ends. He goes to his art show, and it's a rousing success, seemingly, right? And the way it ends is a callback to an earlier moment in the movie where she tries to get him to come to her like mom's house, who she lives with. Well, she dinner. says, "Oh, she's like, you come to my house where my mom, well, at my mom's house." Yes. Like she yeah. clearly, some she's probably has a broken life too. Something's happened to her, and she's mm-hmm. now has to live with her mom for the time being. Maybe her mom's really sick, and she, you know, it's like yeah. a. Well, because it's important to note that we never get those details, but clearly yeah. all the women in his life have been through so much, yeah, so much, and he d- could, d- couldn't give less of a fucking shit. Oh, yeah, they're That's losing their legs. They're in pornos. We've seen what he thinks of the behind the scenes of pornos with flight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We get we very purposely don't get any of those details, except we know they've been through a lot because he doesn't fucking care about what who they actually are. He only cares about who they are in relation to him. He does the, not see it. He doesn't even notice the photos in Leslie Mann's place. Like he sees them, but he doesn't at one point ever say, who is this? Mm-hmm. No, like, he does not care. Yeah. He does not care. All he cares about is getting more shoes when Leslie Mann gives him shoes. He just cares about meatball day. <laughs> he sees her obsession yeah. with teapots as like a like a way to reflect his own obsessions. And it's like, well, the way to yeah, he only sees it as a way in. He's like, yeah. okay, now I know how to get you. Now yeah. I know how to make you part of my world. That is a very sinister thing to me. <laughs> like well, men who do that, it's men who, that kind of man who will talk to women and will listen, but it's only to gain ammunition so that they can either, you know, fuck them or try to date them. Yes. And he's kind of the ultimate 
like a, an inc- insane, seemingly exaggeration of that, but it's not an exaggeration because no. again, we've seen the documentary. They're you know? always the sad, puppy, mopey ones. It's just yep. true. Like it's a defect. It's a way to hide what's going on sometimes. Yeah. And he yeah. is he is dealing with real PTSD issues. That's the complication yeah. no, of the movie. He's been through so much. But yeah. Zemeckis refuses to say because he's been through so much and because he was never able to understand or express himself in his whether it's gender identity or sexual identity, be, just because he was never able to do that, it doesn't mean it's okay that he treats all of the women in the world like this. And that's well, what this movie says. Like right? that's what this fucking movie says. And at the end, I hate it. It's another twist. It's the same as people who view Casablanca as a happy ending or Polar Express as a happy ending. When they walk away together and he finally says, yes, let's try some sushi. And she's like, but neither of us have ever had it before. Maybe we won't like it. We know what's going to happen. We know exactly what's going to happen. It's not like they're going to start dating and all of a sudden he's this great dude. It's going to well, be awesome. He's going to do something really gross. He's going to like, oh. Well, with Roberta, it's very interesting because when that end happens, it reminds me, and I'm not going to exactly say what happens. You guys figure it out. But it reminds me of the ending of James Gray's Two Lovers. Yes. Yes. Where, I've, I've thought about James Gray a lot while we've been doing this journey. Mm-hmm. Well, James Gray is kind of trying to almost take up a Zemeckis mantle. That's for another yeah. time. But yeah. Um, but there's, um, but yeah, it reminds me of that because he's, he realizes he's not going to get Leslie Mann. So he's going to take the person who, okay, she's there for him. You know, he's like kind of settling in a way and she's probably going to be really nice to him and he won't deserve it. But, um, the, when he sexualizes her with, uh, with the, the top of her character in the fake world, the Marwin world, the action figure coming down and she's like you do it again it's like he knows she's the he like she's the only real chance he'll ever get so to get himself to that he has to aggressively sexualize her Mm -hmm. and it's that dark notion of a backup that's what i mean yeah one of the other he sees them as too pure like they can't be disrobed but the one who will fuck him probably he will for sure degrade her in that manner and no, like, and it, it made my head go too. Also, I was like, if they, because I tried to like keep the movie going, right? Like in my head, I was like, what does this date look like? And I was like, it's awful, right? Like he, you know, gets upset about whether it's the sushi or whatever, but he has a moment where something on the television triggers him or whatever, um, <clears throat> and they leave. And if it's a sexual situation, he most definitely says that we have to go to my place and without asking turns on his favorite porno. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's what he does so that he can get ready. And so that he is now going to, going to sleep with this woman that he has no interest in because, you know, he killed off his dream love or whatever. Well, his dream love is a person who he has to, he has to make, the vision that he conjures of his addiction a a a evil woman mm-hmm. named Dresha or whatever she's called diane kruger diane kruger oh kill oh, him. That, kill that him. is no accident that she's that woman also. oh it is no accident at all no not at all and this is kind of where i was saying with what lies beneath with the ghost and what lies beneath it's like this is the thing that is keeping him where he's at, whereas that one's trying to liberate her from where she's at. But they're both these projections of inside themselves. So much so that, um, well, the, I mean, I guess it's on the scene in the clock tower where it almost seems, I think Dave Kerr has brought up the vertigo connection this movie's uh, kind of setting up too. But he has that great scene where he's fighting the Nazi and he yells out, women are the saviors of the world. Okay. Now, this is very interesting because this is what you're saying about the ending. And we're just going to I'm just going to talk about the ending because we're trying to get everyone on board. So at the climactic moment, his big line is to say women are the saviors of the world. Now, maybe there's some truth to that, but you can see how he's saying that is a pretty major naivete to that. Mm-hmm. So much kind of like the naivete he expresses when he's in. Leslie Mann's house when they're talking about it. she's like why do you like World War II and he's like well it was the only war where we're the good guys well there's a war comment on probably how Zebekus feels about the rest of the war but 
the naivete that we were just the good guys in World War II, I'm not going to go into that right now, but yeah. that is from a guy who wears military fatigues all fucking day mm-hmm. and thinks that a woman will be turned on and get horned up and wet by a purple heart that he bought at a toy store. Yeah. So when it comes to the end and that ending happens and he puts on the shoes, now that could be a triumphant, as many have read it, like, He's embracing his women's shoes. He's putting the shoes on. It also suggests that he's still connected to this fake idea of women and how he can understand them, that he feels he has to understand them through their cheap items, shoes, uh, which a lot of them in the movie he has are knockoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less of this like person embracing their sexuality as if a kind of a a weird coda of like, well, they, they are overcoming some trauma. They've, they've done like flight, this investigation of this person who you think he's being investigated or like he has to go on trial for, to put his attackers away. Like Denzel Washington, what's happening is it's really um, a trial about who he is. Even when he's in the shop with Roberta and he accidentally hits the volume up, that's so out of reality bounds, but it, corresponds to what's going on in him and the way the world is now seeming to come after him or it's him finally coming to attack himself so at the end of the movie when that scene happens there's the little thing at the end where it's like here's what happened to mark and all this stuff now what's interesting about that and i want to get the wording exactly correct because i'd never noticed this before is that at the very end of the movie um they uh the it says that the uh the population of marwin call grew to 200 which to me suggests that his uh obsessions never really ended so conventionally mm-hmm. because most of the characters in marwin call are women mm-hmm. so if he's up to 200 then this motherfucker is just breaking his heart every single fucking day and that's what happens when a documentary comes out about you. You meet a lot of people all of a sudden. To fill out your fucking town. To fill out your town that is just a way to coddle things that you can't ever seem to take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting what he's, Zemeckis might be suggesting about the filmmaking process there. Mm-hmm. This movie is dizzy. It is a dizzying. Okay, there's a lot that I had written down. We're not going to go into it. Oh, same. No, I had um, like I've well, got like two pages of shit. But there might be a chance where we will be on a stage to talk about this, maybe more in depth soon. So if that happened with a certain someone, that someone is going to be like, "I'm just, I'm going to go to bed. You guys take it." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> go to town. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you're thinking too hard. We're saying that we're not done with Marwin and we're not done with Zemeckis. This episode is ending, but this is just the beginning. And also, like, just especially with, I mean, all of them. Obviously, we say this after all of them and we mean it, but really with Marwin, give this fucking movie a chance because it is such a unique experience. And again, something filmmakers don't do where they are willing to question someone who's supposed to be unquestionable. Or themselves, too. Oh, absolutely. Themselves. Not that his well, wife's the porno actress in the movie. And, and one more one more thing. What is arguably, obviously we don't know him. Hopefully right. someday we will, and I can ask him this question. Yeah. But what is arguably, if I bet I would wager... If you ask Zemeckis the thing he is maybe the least proud of in his career, what might that be? In my opinion, that might have something to do with Back to the Future and the behemoth that it became. So with that in mind... The yeah, it's time, almost like he makes that literal in the movie. Uh-huh. It's no accident <laughs> yet a fucking gun that in the moment that... Uh, <laughs> This character is in his brain supposedly battling these past scars and sending one of them into a, however many years into the future that he has to 
but making sure these, the rantings these, of a maniac. Yes. Know. While he makes sure that these shoes that didn't actually exist yet in World War II, but are very important to him because of the latest obsession that he has. Well, he has to make sure those shoes don't go with her. He sends this Diane Kruger non-character fictionalized fairy woman. Fairy Nazi. Fairy Nazi, yeah. He has to become a Nazi to be the most evil thing. Which, just real quick, when Kurt notices him the first time, the Nazi guy, her he says, what is this guy, Um, a pedo white supremacist? Yes. Which shows the breakdown of these words and about how these words can get really scrambled about. Yep. Just wanted to point that out. No, it's true. No, it's we. We. I want to point out every single thing in this movie. But yeah, last thing. So when that's all happening, the only way he's able to send this white supremacist fairy woman <laughs> from his head away to supposedly heal him is using the DeLorean from Back to the Future, which is an amazingly cynical and uh, just. Uh, I don't even know what word to use. The gall to do that to yourself. As a filmmaker, well, you're doing a thing already that is wildly difficult and a little bit, it's, these are all strong words, I know, but a little bit unprecedented, making a movie about someone you're not supposed to fuck with, making a movie questioning them and their motives and whether or not we should accept them for what they are and never question their actions. At the same time, you're like, you know what? Fuck me too, man. Let me look back in the fucking mirror at one of the darkest IPs that I accidentally started and what it created and how people see it as this, no accident. And how people see me as a result of that. Yep. But this intensely right-leaning supposed fantasy, right? And so what better way to deal with that demon that you have yourself than to send the most right-leaning, right, in theory, that of a that of a literal Nazi, send the most right-leaning thing the world has ever produced into the future a bajillion years with the accidental right-leaning perceived thing that you made. (laughs) And that's, that's the, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So now we're, we're closing shop for now. Um, Zemeckis will continue in another form and Zemeckis himself will continue. He's got another movie now under the books uh, that I think he's shooting right now that um, is going to star Tom Hanks, Robin Wright Penn, and uh, reunite him with the screenwriter of uh, Forrest Gump. It is being shot right now. I am very excited to what that can be. It's based off a graphic novel. I know nothing about that, but... I hope it's just a sequel, but they play each other. Yeah, I'm sure it will not resemble the graphic novel and it will probably be very good, maybe, hopefully. And if anything, it is going to do some technical shit on a level that we haven't seen yet because this movie is supposed to take place with multiple timelines existing in one single room. Yeah. Well, also, whether or not we put too much into Pinocchio and reading it, we can all agree on one thing. Guess why you do that movie, even if it turned out how you didn't want it to? a fucking paycheck to do whatever the fuck you want next. So exactly. here we go. Here exactly. We go. And old Steven Spielberg, maybe we'll get to him one day, but when he made a movie called Ready Player One, it is not for naught that he, uh, well, one, he uses the DeLorean quite frequently that, but the big item that the character has to buy to save everything that is the crux of the movie to, uh, you know, move the plot along is an item called the Zemeckis Cube. Mm-hmm. And the Zemeckis cube might represent the turning back in time, which it does in the movie, but it also might represent our boy Stevie. I think truly is in awe of uh, his buddy Robert and what he's been able to pull off. Steven's gotten there pretty close sometimes, and I think Ready Player One is the closest he'll ever get to trying to mimic a Robert Zemeckis movie. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited to someday dive into stuff because as it stands right now, and this is not a this is not a fight starter comment. It's just been interesting in my head. I came so much further to enjoying a lot of the Spielberg stuff I didn't because of you and Pinkerton. Doing this as a Mecca's journey has dampened that 
in comparison to Zemeckis because I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if you're on that Bobby Z level, but I'm not, I'm not saying that's he a, might, that's a, he might be. Some of them, he might be some, well, of, them some, oh, some of them. He, some of them he definitely is. But the ones that I reconsidered that I had always hated that you got me to soften on now, I'm like, it's not even that they're not worthwhile, but Bobby Z's on another level. So we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens when you rewatch war of the worlds. I got to work up to it. Give me some time. We'll see. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess we finished. I just want everyone to be excited as we are. Let's just take this time to to think that we don't always know everything about the great filmmakers we take for granted. Just I mean, about everything. Just about always, everything. Like much like Zemeckis does, always fucking question yourself and your own taste. I'm tired of people who are confident for their whole life that they know everything about anything oh we always got to be checking ourselves yeah so yeah our next two series are going to be very different but we'll get to those another time <laughs> yeah yep well, we'll see wow. you now we're free and we can do more bullshit episodes so. uh, yep i'm gonna i can now watch something other than zemeckis movies and horror movies God damn. <laughs> good god it's been a, it's been a time <laughs> Oh, but hh i i think we've all oh, it was great though it's fun. Oh, okay. i love i love having a task it makes me feel like i'm in school again which is good because i would be in school forever if i could yeah all of you don't take your apple and put it on mr zemeckis's desk polish it on your shirt and say yep. thank you teacher stick it there yep and uh we're gonna yeah i gotta pee it's been right. fun it's been fun uh we Thanks love you all with us, friends yeah yeah hopefully you liked it <clears throat> yep hopefully it was worth it let us know because we're going to do more we're going to keep doing different filmmakers so and if you didn't like it and you think we're bullshit wait till we have someone back up that we're not full of shit for someone who you definitely don't think is full of shit that's right and then if you if you do i don't i just don't know what we have to say so. yeah then yeah we're done if we do You're- then i don't know go fucking Go watch the Green Knight again or something. Yeah, I'm gonna turn you off like this episode right now. <laughs> yeah, go watch the Green Knight. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye, friends. Bye, homies.